The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome once again to the Influencers Edge, and we have, I always say that we have amazing guests, but today we really do have an awesome effing guest. The energy here is going to go not from zero to 10, probably zero to 50, so you may want to turn down your speakers a little bit. Take, I don't normally say that you take a drink. If you're driving, you don't drink, but if you are at home, you may want to have a little drink of something. Some breathing exercises because mm-hmm. our guest today, Gene McNaughton, is a longtime friend. And you may say, We don't see a pattern here, Paul. You have a lot of friends, a lot of mentors, even relatives on here. What the hell is going on? I don't know. I just managed to surround myself with awesome people. And one of the most person filled with all that awesomeness is Gene McNaughton. Gene, welcome to the show. This is so exciting. I cannot wait to get rolling. <laughs> well, to be uh, quite transparent, with the audience here, Gene has got such an extensive biography. I looked at what he had submitted. I thought, no way, this is not going to fly. We need to have a discussion and narrow this down because he's been around so long. I'm actually, I have my notes. I'm just going to be transparent and read what we decided on. Gene, feel free to jump in anytime if you think it needs clarification. All right. Yeah, all good. Gene McNaughton has over 30 experience, uh, 30 years experience in sales and sales training. Now, this guy's awesome. He assisted building a company to 10 billion, not 10 million, not 100 million, not 1 billion, 10 billion in sales. We may want to talk about that. He was global vice president of sales for Tony Robbins, Mr. Giant Glitter Teeth himself. I'm going to talk a little bit about what he's like. He's been the opening speaker at Tony's unleash the power within events and that's something no one gets to do you're not just like here's tony you actually got to do presentations i don't think anyone else has ever done that before you've built um very successful companies you're actually working on all things i don't know we're gonna have to discuss this you're building an engineering company and how someone with no engineering background is doing that and today we're going to talk about influence and persuasion and all his other Compliments, and we're going to go into scarcity, urgency, social proof, uh, future pacing, and the law of time, among other things. Gene, damn it. It's been too long since we talked, and I'm so glad to have you on the show. Welcome. I am really pumped. And, you know, truth be told, I was listening to your stuff in the, uh, gosh, early 2000s, and uh, all my sales guys, and we were all single and out in the field, and like, we got to listen to this this, this uh, persuasion stuff on uh, picking up women. That's where it all started. And I was listening kind of passively. I was going through a divorce, like, who is this guy? And oh my gosh, it was like, I opened a treasure trove of gold. And uh, all these guys that you and I have talked about that were single in those days were just, we just enjoyed it so much. And I had a chance, I was at a multi-speaker event and Paul got up and I'm like, God, this voice, who is this guy? I know this guy. And then it like, and this was like 15 years later, mind you. Yeah. And then all the dots connected and I approached you and we've been good friends ever since. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So you have so many accomplishments and we're going to talk about that. By the way, for those in the audience, I only make it a minor secret that I used to teach pickup and yes, even seduction. And this is not a family rated show. So that's who I am. I've taken all that knowledge 
and transformed it into ways of putting more money in your bank account. So mm-hmm. thank you for this. Gene, well, I scarcely know, when usually the guests, I know where to start, but you've got so much underneath your belt. And I mean that not in a devil and under kind of way. What was it like working with Tony Robbins? If you can not spill tea, but you know, everyone wants to know that. What's What was that experience like for you? Man, I, I wish I had some tea, but here, here's what I'll say is, it was as good as I ever hoped and thought it would be and better. And I get asked this question all the time. What's he really like? He is exactly like you hear him on audio. You see him on video. If you've seen him in a live event and in private, he's that with a little bit more intensity. Keep in mind, I was VP of global sales. I ran 11 teams and it was not a gene, go do the best you can. It was a clear expectation that records would be broken. Whatever we've done in the past would be better this time in this city, in this part of the world. And it, it helped me to raise my own personal standards because I never wanted to let the guy down. I always, I always wanted to deliver great news to him. And if it wasn't great, then I'd always deliver it to say, but here's exactly what we're doing to counteract whatever that, if it was a miss, if it was something happened that caused numbers to be off. But probably, you know, I have a lot of, you, we all have these, could have been one of the best experiences of my life. But in terms of personal growth, uh, not to mention that it was a mandate that I knew all of Robert Cialdini's work. I knew all of the, the work of influence and persuasion, you know, knowing that I had come from a Fortune 200 company. There's not people in the Fortune 200 that are, that are studying language patterns and, and, you know, habits and laws of language patterns and tonality. That's just kind of a taboo thing. So for me to come out of that corporate world about KPIs and metrics and tracking and, and forecasting, to, and I brought that skill set into the Robbins world, then to learn all the other things. And that's where I was introduced to Richard Bandler's work and neuro-linguistic programming and Tony's neuro-associative conditioning. So I was so fortunate. One is that, I, I don't know if I was just born this way, but being somebody that's always curious and wanting to learn more, always questioning and testing what I knew. Was it really right? Was it really the best? And then to get in an environment where you need to read Bandler's work, you need to read. And that's where I got introduced to, to you. Uh, like that by became way, prerequisite. By the way, we've interviewed Richard for the show. I don't know when this is going to air. So folks, you may have seen it already, or it may be something coming up, but I have an honor interviewing Richard. Yeah. Hey, I, I wish I can't wait to watch that. I've never met the guy. I have studied his work. I feel like I know the guy. You, you know how you listen to some people so many times and read their stuff so much. You, like, I feel like I knew Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn back in the day, Tommy Hopkins. They don't know who I am, but they were like my imaginary board of directors because <laughs> I listened to the, t- in those days it was tapes. And I really felt like I knew these guys. Um, and it was just my imaginary. And then it was Tony. And then, you know, some Brian Tracy sprinkled in some Ogmandino, some, Napoleon Hill and over the course of the years and the repetition of hearing and listening and feeling and falling asleep to this stuff, it, it molded me to become more effective in leadership, more effective in communication, more effective in all business and personal emotional dynamics. So it's, you know, I, I look at being here with you like, who would have thought back in 2005 that I'd be on a podcast? We didn't know what a podcast was. Couldn't do this stuff then, right? No, I think what you're describing is a combination of immersion and innovation that you will take on anything that you see is new and stretches you and you see practical value in it. So you in it, you're taking on innovation. At the same time, you're immersing yourself in it. You don't go into anything. This is my knowledge of you personally, and also what you're presenting today and the material that you put out through the public. You don't go into anything half-assed. Yeah, good point. Good. Hence why when you, we got on in our, our free call, we have a free call meeting. I'm like, yep, got all my notes written down. And, <laughs> and, and, this, and I'm, I'm like, probably every, every one of you that are watching this right now or listening as you're driving, we're all busy. But I wanted to nail this. So what do you do? Pre-call preparation. You lay this stuff out. And, and I teed up, you know, Ross with this to say, okay, you know, the, the question is, is how, how, why would I go from 18 years in the personal development field? So I was in my passion zone 
you know, working with Tony, we built a program called Business Mastery. And if you follow him, you know what this program is. And over the course of time, after four years, I realized I could build my own consulting practice. You know, really in, in being on the stage with Tony, that was like the ultimate lead gen system for me. Put me on a, in a stage in front of an audience that's paying 10 grand to be there. And then I would sell additional services to help them take their business to the next level. And I realized that, you know, when you do that, you're, you have a revenue split, you know, the house gets a big chunk of it, you get a chunk of it, and then you have to go fulfill the services. And I realized I could do it on my own. And 10 years later and 160 customers, clients later, these are, these are people that I consulted for six months or more. These are not keynotes, you know, a webinar, whatever. These are six months or more relationships and billions of dollars of revenues created. I had one of the clients, a guy that I had worked with, a company I'd worked with that we doubled their size of their company to 20 to, from 20 to 40 million in two and a half years. And I'm not saying I did that, but I know where they were before I got there. And I know where they were when we wrapped up the relationship three years later. Wow, I hope you got equity in that or a percentage of what, of what the amount that you helped them change. Well, that, that's a great point. And the answer is no, I didn't. Uh, the, yeah, it's almost impossible to negotiate that kind it, of it's, it's hard. Well, it's, hard. It's, it's almost impossible to quantify the impact of you teaching people how to do something, holding them accountable through weekly or biweekly group coaching calls, putting them on the hot seat, you know, whether it's handling objections or introing a call or how to land multi-million dollar deals, which is what my book is all about, how to win big clients. What's the name but of your I, book? What's the name of your book? The Sales Edge. The Sales Edge. I like the, the name of this show is The Influencer's Edge. The Influencer's Edge. Edge. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I, I think the, the ultimate compliment was the, the CEO of this company, which was a European company, said, we are ready to launch our business in the United States. He goes, it's been a dream of mine since I was young. His dad had founded the company and he took over the company after his dad retired. And he said, I want you to do it. And I'm like, I don't know the first thing. We're talking about ground engineering, soil engineering. I don't know the first thing. I mean, how much do you know about dirt and what it's made of and why it ships and what, what, what you know, water has to do with it or, or seismic? I live in California, earthquakes. Like, I knew nothing about the business. But what I did have confidence in is my fact that I knew business. I knew how to build business. I knew how to grow business. I know how to scale business. So I thought this was right at the, you know, the very beginning of COVID, think May, June of 2020. And I thought for a moment, or 2021, whatever year it was, uh, two years ago. And I thought, you know what, the ultimate challenge, go take all of the skills that you've learned and learned from others and been able to have levels of success in and apply it into a field you know nothing about. Wouldn't that be the ultimate story to tell? So. We negotiated a deal. It turned into a, a situation where I have, you know, the earnout of some equity ownership of this business, and we've got this thing launched. And I'm, I, you know, so it doesn't mean that I am learning and becoming an expert in civil engineering and ground engineering. What it means is I need to find those people, and I have that are the experts in in their part of the the delivery of what it is we do. My job is to orchestrate them and then inject what this podcast is about, the learnings I've gotten. And one of those is what we have is, you know, the expertise of this podcast is using the principles of influence and persuasion, the science of influence and persuasion. And really what I think we're going to talk about is how have I used what I've learned from some of the greats, including, uh, including you know, yours truly that's on the other side of this camera. I'm on and <laughs> Yeah. But and Bandler and Tony Robbins and some, I mean, the, the list goes on and on, but there's, there's that pinnacle few, which is why it's such an honor to be here on this podcast. I'm but, not but how, say this folks. <laughs> well, but, but think about it this way. People would think engineering is about science, numbers, uh, proven models. Um, I've seen some spreadsheets that made my, you know, hair stand on end. They were so in depth and, and by people that are a thousand times smarter than me, how and where would influence and persuasion live in these services? We want to know, before we do that, I want to rewind just a little bit. So is it that you thought 
hmm, what's the, what's the next challenge for me? What, how can I move into something that's unknown and take my current skills into it? And then this opportunity presented itself to you or the opportunity was presented and then you had that mindset, okay, I'm going to take this on. Let's see how I can apply my skills in this totally unknown area. Which came first? Well, it, here, here's where it stemmed from. I, I did some work with Jay Abraham. If you've heard of Jay Abraham, right? Of one of, one, I mean, arguably one of the greatest ever. We go back. I've known Jay on and off for a long time. We yeah. got to get him on the show. I don't know how that's going to be possible, but uh, hey, pick up the phone. <laughs> I mean, pick up the phone, make a call. You know, the answer to the unasked question is always no, right? I think you taught me that. No. But I was talking to Jay. I, I had met him through Tony. I build this consulting practice. We have a client, um, a billion dollar plus client out of Mexico. They really like Jay. And I said, Jay, I want to bring you in on a relationship. He said, okay, well, and Jay charges a lot of money. I took that to the client who said, no problem. Send me the contract. So I, it was a dual win for me. I brought him in, but I got a chance to be the birds for what is bird's eye view or the, whatever. I got a chance to be in and all of the, the brilliance he was bringing from a marketing standpoint. And we established a friendship. Throughout the course of that, when you establish, like us, you establish rapport and relationship. It doesn't mean we talk every day, but when we talk, it's like each conversation picks up after the other one. Exactly. And he was saying, you know, Gene, the problem with your business is this. When you're done with that relationship, whether it's six months or 12 months or whatever it is, you're done. There's, there's no recurring revenue. There's, you know, when you've taught them everything it is that you can teach them and you've done it with repetition and so forth. You're, when you're done, you're done. There's no equity. There's no. There's nothing to fall back on. And that always stuck with me. And going, you're right. I'm growing these companies. There's and they, they pay me a handsome fee for that. But as soon as that relationship is coming to an end, we have to be hunting. We always got to be hunting and delivering and marketing. And that's a beautiful thing. And after ten years, you go, golly, is this what it's going to be like? There's there's no big nugget being built. So I set my intention to say, okay, I'm going to find something that I can have a piece of that when it gets built out to a giant, giant proportion, revenue, profit, earnings, and EBITDA, then there's something there that if I decide I want to go chill for a little bit, I can cash that in and move on. And lo and behold, the opportunity presented itself. If I could, if I could good. So you answer my question exactly as I budget. When you say, because this is this, this, this podcast is aimed at people or professional salespeople, entrepreneur, business people who want to use the most cutting edge techniques for motivation, sales, influence, persuasion. Let's talk about how you are a champion, of course. How do you go about setting an intention? You just say it to yourself in your head, you write it down, you vision board. What is your process for setting an intention? Because obviously it's effing working. Well, First of all, I feel like I'm a I'm 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 always in the works. There's there's another level, and, and thank you for saying that. And I feel like I feel like I'm just beginning. Um, so in setting intentions, what is it? Get clear, absolutely clear on what it is you want. This formula, it, take it out of the Bible, take it out of Think and Grow Rich, and all of the other greats. The formula doesn't change. Get clear on what it is you want. And, you know, with COVID, COVID was a great wake up call for just about all of us. You know, I was running the seminar company success resources and my consulting practice. The largest, we were doing the seminars with 10,000 people in the United Center in Chicago, Tony Robbins, Gary V. Like we were cruising and that thing was what was a, a ship that was, was stable and ready to take off. And then COVID hit. And, you know, I spent the first two months trying to figure out, remember in the beginning of COVID, we didn't know when it was going to end. Remember, it was like, oh, it's going to end by Easter. Uh, right. Midsummer's going to kill it off. Right. And in the meantime, we got, I had to move, eventually cancel 42 events. Oh. Now they weren't all, you know, only 10 of them were arena events, right? How in the world did you handle the emotions that must have come up from that? There had to be, we like to delve into stories of resiliency here on the podcast. How did you handle that? Uh, initially, it must have overwhelmed you emotionally and all sorts of mental stuff. Or didn't it? Did you just go? Fix it? Yeah. Well, it was. It was. It was in the middle. It, it was hyper laser focus on number one. How do we drive revenue? So we we immediately went to Zoom. Uh, we had these multi speaker Zoom events. It was super awkward. 
you know, it wasn't Zoom wasn't used then. This is just two years ago, like it is now. Yes. Uh, how do how do we still have content speakers and then the speakers that can sell things that can generate revenue of which we get, you know, a, a half or sixty percent of because we we put the audience in front of them or put them in front of the audience. And you know, lukewarm response response in that. But we had some we had some webinars where we had in upwards well over a thousand people attending a virtual webinar, and we were making sales. Okay, so we, so we had to shift to survival cash flow. And then, if you remember, in once that started taking off, they were called the Zoom bombers. You remember the Zoom bombers? I've heard of Zoom bombers. Thank God I've never actually experienced it personally. Well, I experienced it firsthand. We had, I don't know, 1,200 people on a webinar and John Asaraf was speaking. And, you know, part of it is saying, hey, type in the chat box where you're from. I'm from Cleveland. I'm from Iowa. I'm from Mexico. I'm from uh, London, whatever. And okay, in the chat box, type out, you know, what are some of your biggest concerns right now? So you want the interaction. Of course. And then suddenly this paragraph comes on of every worst curse word you could ever imagine. And I'm not going to say it on these calls, but just think of the, remember George Carlin, you know, the seven most dangerous words. What was seven dirty hit? words you can't say, but yeah. you know, now they're said pretty frequently. There's none that you can't say. Can, can I say them? I have them memorized. No, don't. <laughs> okay. Shit, baseball, gun, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, it, and it was a paragraph of that. I'm like, what? And I'm moderating. Like, so I'm, I'm on camera. Here's John Asaraf. Here's his slides. Here's this, this side that has the, comments on it and it was a paragraph that took up about you know a third of the page most people are saying uh great or you know i'm stressed out i have anxiety i have fear of the unknown i have fear of what covid is going to do to the economy whatever the topic subject matter is and then this thing starts blurting and it was a full paragraph of the worst words you could ever write and then it just was like a copy and paste and it was just went Somebody's sitting there going, enter, 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 enter. I'm like, how do we turn these comments off? I didn't quite know Zoom good enough to be able to shut it off. And the guy that was moderating kind of once it was set up, sometimes these people, you know, they go get a coffee, they do whatever the heck they want. But anyway, we went into how do how do we cash flow the business so we can, you know, help our pay our employees. Right. We were a full company. And how, how do we get, you know, there's a, even some of these famous speakers and authors were not like Zoom friendly. And how does this thing work and all that stuff? Uh, but I leveraged relationships of which to do that. We eventually just that model didn't work the way we had hoped it would. And we ended up shutting the company down. That was hard. Letting employees go. That was gut wrenching. Now, we had some, you know, thank goodness for you know, what had happened with the government. There were when you had to let people go, we, we did get some PPP stuff, but that it's not like you applied for it and showed up the next day. I understand. Yeah, it was better for employees to go to unemployment at that time. And we migrated out. Nobody got really hurt, um, but it was a very tough time. No doubt. Some soul searching time. And it was right towards the end of that. When I was trying to figure out, you know, after a couple months of lockdown, I mean, you, you live in California of lockdown and, you know, putting on 15 pounds uh, <laughs> of sitting around and eating. And, uh, you know, certainly we could have exercised. I, I'm not blaming anything, but I didn't. And uh, I said, I got to get my shit together here. And I started building content. I thought, what would people, salespeople, managers, and leaders need now that all of their, let's say, sellers and selling activity would normally be face-to-face, -face, running an appointment, sitting down, shaking hands, now that they're, they have to do it virtually, well, we can build content on how to run effective video meetings. We can build content on time management when you're working from home versus going into an office. It's a radical difference, right? You've all experienced it. And um, so I started building content. And when you build content, you say, okay, where can I find a live audience that I can deliver this content to and get feedback? Because you can't just build your content and just think, oh, I invented that this shit's great. It doesn't work that way. Right. Correct. You got to like comedians, they, they go to those small stages in their right. city and they practice their material Absolutely. and they hone it. Well, this company, GeoBear, I've got one of the shirts on. I called the CEO and I said, I got some new content. Um, I know you're running meetings every single month for your, they have multiple sales teams throughout, you know, London and Sweden and Finland and Beijing and China. I said, I'll, I'll perform it just like, we did before. He goes, what's it going to cost? I said, nothing. All I, all I want is to be able to get some feedback. 
He said, no problem. And, you know, if you study the laws of influence, I, I, this was inducing a level of reciprocity. Right. I built content. I delivered it. I got feedback. I got what I wanted. They got immense value out of it because everybody was trying to figure this stuff out. And, you know, a lot of people think that building a training program is, yeah, just put your you know, five, five keys to whatever. Well, it's not quite that way when you got to build slides and you've got to set the pre-frame. you got to set it up. Why do they want to hear it? You got to have something that's engaging. Your content's got to be rocking. You got to close it. Pause here because you brought up a brilliant point that I've talked about. So many people don't get in the world of sales. They just don't get it because it's not taught. Pre-framing. Talk about pre-framing. I understand what you mean by that, but the audience may not, and they may not understand the impact of implementing it, what that will do for their selling. I I agree, and I have my own methodology. You tell us what you mean by pre-framing and how you do it. Well, let's just say pre-framing is motivating people to anticipate the enjoyment of what they're going to receive when they take the action. So I'm going to teach you how to get more done while the kids are running around in the background and you've got laundry to do, but you got, you know, so I, I don't remember exactly the words that were, but you want to, you want to entice people pre-framing to enjoy the experience they're about to get because stuff happens. Right. We, we say we're going to show up to the webinar and the dog goes doo doo on the floor or somebody knocks on the door and you get thrown off. You don't you don't set, sign up to the webinar. You sign up and you don't pay attention. Exactly. Right. And then thus the you as the listener, like kind of like this podcast right here. I mean, you as the listener are, are getting very little value. Maybe you're listening in the background. But as we get into this content that's being layered in while we're talking right now and you're hearing it or you're watching us right now. That, that you're taking notes on this stuff because you've got, you know, between the two of us, 35, you know, whatever, 60, 70 years of not just, you know, studying this stuff, but delivering it and seeing outcomes, not just for ourselves, but for the people that we serve, people that listen to us. It, after, after doing this for a while, you build the mental muscle that says, yeah, this stuff's right. And, and going back to Ross, why I'm here with this GeoBear company is like, you know what, I've been consulting for 12 years, got some great results, but let me see how good I really am and immerse myself into a company. So w- when you hear the story about, you know, the, the, the warriors go to the island, they burn the boat and they have no other option but to win. I did that because I had to shut my, cons- I had to exit my consulting business. The consulting business is running fine. And that means, and part of my three-year exclusive deal is I, I can't go, I, not that I can't, but I, I'm precluded from doing keynotes, writing content, going to do boot camps. I'm 100% laser focused on building this company. That must hurt. Let's talk, take this to a personal level. You love doing those things. I know you. Mm-hmm. You love doing those things. That must hurt a lot. How do you balance what you love to do versus the big score money-wise? Not to say you what? don't. Now, but I know that you love that. You love being a You make a good point. Hold on. And seeing the impact of your work. You're you're service-minded and impact driven. Mm-hmm. I can't see how you would give that up and seeing directly in front of your eyes the results that people are getting. How did you in the world? I want to make this personal. These are not the questions you expected to hear, but I like to drill down into my guest psyche and, and poke and prod around in there. How did you? set that aside. I would have felt like I broke up with someone who I was in love with. That's a great point. Here's, here's the way I look at it. I signed a three-year deal. And in three years, I'm going to see what I'm really made of. So I would take, what, what does happen when a, when a teacher, when a college teacher, a sabbatical, college teachers, I'm not going to teach anymore. I'm going to do a sabbatical and go do it. I'm taking the sabbatical so I can go get the learnings of building a company from scratch. And I'm talking scratch. And it's been hard. There's no, no doubt this has been the hardest thing I've ever done. And I can already see two years, two and a half, three years. I mean, should, I, by the way, a three-year deal, that doesn't mean I, I won't determine that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing this. this. This is great. I love it. But to go into something knowing nothing about the product, the service, certainly the, the intelligence required to do engineering work. I mean, these are some smart folks out there. Yeah. And 
getting done with that, depending on what I decided to do in the next two, three, four years and writing another book, like a legit, I started it from scratch. Here's the stuff that happened. Here's the curveballs. Here's the times when it was like we were, you know, close to the end of the rope, meaning cash flow and, and employees and employee issues and all that stuff that I consulted. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm in the, I am uh, dealing with HR and law and finance and bookkeeping. Now, granted, I've got resources I've hired to do that stuff, but I still, I'm still the owner, right? And my vision is I may continue or I may write another book and go talk about how I did it. Because there's, there's a lot of shit talkers out there, as you know, that would talk about being wealthy, but they're not wealthy. They would talk about building a business. They've never built a business. You know, guys that pontificate that, that I know that they're the, the God's gift to business growth. And I, the farthest I've ever seen them go is a mid-level salesperson, right? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But when you get with somebody that has done that, it is verified. They know the pitfalls, the roadblocks. They know the anxiety. They know the chokeholds. They know what it feels like to not know if you're going to make payroll or not. And then figuring out that you're going to make payroll. And I think those are the stories. Pause here again. People look at very successful people and I think, uh, and they're very envious. Well, they had it easy. I wish I was where they are. But it's such a load of bullshit you're talking about. You had situations where you couldn't make payroll or you were wondering if you could. Yeah. Down where, you know, we're a small company, we're a startup. It's not, it's not like I'm, you know, a $20 million company. Like, so we got to sell deals. We got to deliver deals. We've got to collect the money for the deals being delivered. And yeah, we've been on, on a, it's a Thursday and I need to hit the payroll submit button and I need to get a de- the deal paid for that's not done and go have the conversation with the customer to ask them to give us the check. I didn't say so we could make payroll. But I, this is where like everything I've learned from influence and persuasion, the law of liking, the importance of rapport, right? Rapport is power to set, setting up a framework, to deframing or de-escalating a problem, to Let's reframing something. Let's talk about deframing because that's a term that's often not spoken about. Let's talk about deframing. So you're dropping gold nuggets and I'm picking them up and shoving it back in your face and say, no, 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 no. You can't drop that. You need present more to unpack that for the audience. Deframe. Okay. So let, let's talk, just talk about just some basic elements, preframe, reframe, deframe, preframe, give them the feeling of emotional benefits they'll gain before they even do something. You are going to example, you are going to love what you're going to learn and what you're going to experience when you do blank. I can't wait to see you there. You're going to be so excited. I can't wait to see the look on your face when you feel, experience, see, smell, taste, whatever the result that you're about to get. That is a pre-frame. And of course, I can't be the one to say, ladies and gentlemen, all the ways you'll find yourself growing even more excited as you continue to really pay attention. But as that's in a place in a way that makes you laugh and put a smile on your face, I'm so honored to be the one who's leading you on this journey of discovery today. So let's get going. <laughs> yeah, you got you got Grasshopper and you got Sensei on the other side of this video. So uh, bear with me. I'm trying to keep up. Now, but, but here's what I'm saying is, even as it relates to something as mundane as fixing a foundation, like where something has to get done, nobody's thinking about getting their foundation fixed until it's broke. But laws of influence and persuasion work pre-framing people. Imagine when this is no longer a problem for you and you don't have to think about it. I bet every time you walk in that room, you see that clack crack on the wall, don't you? Yeah, you can't not see it, right? Right, okay, well, let's get that handled because it's only going to get worse, <laughs> right? Pushing down on the pain button, get it. Yeah, yeah, so pre-frame, uh, a D-frame. Um, XYZ company said that your company sucks and they're new. Okay, so we're a new company. Now they might have said that we suck, but our technique is has not been around that long and they wouldn't gamble on blank. Okay, great. I've got to deframe that objection. Here's a here's little simple things. 
I could see why they would say that. And then instead of using the word, uh, anytime you use the word, but Paul, you're a nice guy, but so, so what the, the inference is that everything I said before the word, but is negated. You know, they've been around for a long time and I can understand why they would say that, but if you look at the facts, our company's been around since 1983. The methods have been honed for almost 40 years. And this is no different than if you get a hamburger at McDonald's in London versus Los Angeles, they're going to be 99% the same. So I would say they're the ones that are inexperienced, wouldn't you? You know, then I, then I go into uh, <laughs> so just having to think about this podcast and I'm writing the things down that I do, the social proof. Let me talk about the people that are going to be delivering your project. This guy's been doing this for 12 years. He's the foremost authority as it relates to this technique in the United States. In fact, engineers go to him. The technician that'll be working has been doing this for over seven years. So this is, these aren't rookies, laborers that are coming to your house. You're going to have the, the best people I have available working on your house. Now, the truth is I only have two. So I'm not lying. You're going to have the best. Sure. Right? So I can deframe an objection by using the word but. I understand why you might believe this. I under, they're, they're, they're a decent company. They've been around a long time. But doesn't you know, I can say, doesn't it really matter the people that are actually working on your project? Have you looked at the bios of the project manager, the supervisor in this company compared to ours? And so I, there, there's just, it, it, is, it is nearly impossible, any scenario that comes, because I've been so trained in persuasion and influence, and even three minor little pieces, pre-frame, get them excited, D-frame, use the word but, A, B, C, D, but negated, or you can use what's called a reframe. A reframe is simply going, well, that's been said before, and I'm not surprised that they would say that. Oh, that's a good one. You're implying, you're implying that they're just mouthing something that's not really true. I can see why they would say that, and, and here's why. If you're a hammer, everything in your world looks like a nail, doesn't it? Now you're so what metaphor. Now you're taking yeah. something to reframe and you're injecting metaphor into it to make it even more powerful. What, what I know is that in this business, there, there is nobody in this business selling the things that we sell to the, uh, the, the customers that we sell to has any level of idea of the stuff that we're talking about right now. That if, when it comes to hand-to-hand -hand verbal content, contact, selling, there isn't anybody in this business that can stand up to what we do. And that shows up in the marketing collateral that are leave behinds. So we've talked, let's just get into some content here. I want, so you got pre-frame, reframe, D-frame, very simple. Pre-frame, get them excited. D-frame, use the word, but, hey, they're a great company, but have you looked at their reviews on Angie's list? I have, oh, you haven't? Great, I just happened to print them out. Take a look at this, sir. <laughs> And I would use words like, are you really willing to gamble the foundation, the foundation of your, don't you deserve a great foundation, Ross? I've, I've done that too, Gene. I've also said, are you, uh, I've taught this, I don't want to get into what I teach, but it's, it's very similar. <laughs> but by the pro, by his program, you'll get all this stuff. No, this is your I, my stuff's free. My stuff's free. This is your stage, not mine. Keep going. It's your brilliance and your passion. All right. So. I really started breaking things down. Now, now, this for you listeners or drivers, or if you're at your desk, if you just go to the basic laws of persuasion. So, any offer that you're making, where is your scarcity, which means limited supply? Where is your urgency, which means whatever your offer is, is time bound? Why is this important? Well, I'm selling to people that may have owned a home for 10 or 15 years. And they may have seen cracks in their walls or around their windows or in their foundation, but they've lived with this problem for a while. And people say, you know what? We've lived with it forever. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And I'm like, how do I get these folks off the fence? So I go to my training and say, okay, what's my scarcity? Well, here's scarcity. One says our schedules are packed. And if you want to do this at this price, then it's got to be done in the month of blank. So 
it's a scarce supply. Lead times are getting longer. Paul, if, if you've lived with this and it's not that big of a deal, why did you get on Google and do the research? Why did you make the phone call? Why did you send me the pictures I asked you to send me? Why did you bring me out here if you're not looking to get this fixed? And usually that's a mask. That's a smoke screen for the, it, it's more expensive than what they planned on spending. Okay, fine. I already know that. So why did you go this far? Something caused you to make the phone call. Something caused you to type into Google whatever you typed in to get to me. So let's explore that. So in every offer you have, there should be some level of scarcity, limited supply, some level of urgency that would say that if they don't act before a certain time, then whatever the parameters of the offer are will change. So I would say the pricing I gave you, so I gave you the pricing, Paul. Yeah, we're good to go. Yeah, I love it. Okay, Paul, we're ready to go. You know what? Um, you know, the funniest thing that's happened, we're, we're going to hold off. I'm going to shop around a little bit. I, I want to talk to a couple other people, like smoke screen objections. I say, no problem. In fact, I encourage that. You know, what I do know is that shopping around the other methods, you know, part of our value proposition is that we're about at least 40% less expensive than my competitors who all use steel to, to solve this problem. They put steel beams against a house and steel is so outrageously priced. I'm like, I encourage you to call them and you know, ask them how that price of steel is going. Cause last I saw it, it's tripled by, it's tripled in the last three years. So I, I can't wait to see that. Now I'm not confrontational about it, but I say, but I do wanna let you know, Paul, this, this price that I gave you is only if I get a deposit and you sign the deal before the end of May. Because our expenses have gone up. I've given you the expenses from last month. And that's but putting in the word because is really powerful. That's a very influential persuasive word. <laughs> yeah, um, yes. I just naturally do it now. You just naturally do it. You're giving them the reason, the, the logical reason why it's, it's urgent for them to do it. Okay, so as you examine your offers, What's your scarcity, limited supply? And that could be schedule, it could be time, it could be um, lead times. Demand is incredible. Our lead times are at three weeks right now. How soon did you wanna get this done? Well, right away. Okay, we need to get this signed. Oh, I need to think about it. No problem, but you know that pricing I gave you, Paul? That is, as I told you, I wanna re-remind you, that's only good through May. If I don't have a signed contract um, or a deposit, then we'll have to reprice it on June 1st. Okay, I just want to make sure you know that so you're not surprised. Fair enough, fair enough. So you need to have scarcity and urgency in your offers. Now you may say, well, Gene, I don't have any. You do, you just haven't thought hard enough about it. If it's your time, if it's your product, if it's a special offer. Yeah, I remember when we'd be backstage with Tony Robbins and no matter where we were in the world, he, he would want to understand before he goes into his pitch to sell the next seminars, he would always say these same things. What's my scarcity? What's my urgency? And, you know, cause he's come from w one city or one country. <laughs> like, like think about the dude, like his, if you really know his schedule, it is insane what he does in terms of the number of seminars, the number of flights, the number of time zones, and the number of countries in those days, right? He's changed that now with virtual delivery. But in 15 years ago, that'd be his first thing. What's my scarcity? We only have 150 slots. Got it. What's my urgency? The next event is almost sold out and it's in uh, London. It's your health events in London. So they need to sign up now so they can get into the next one. Got it. He would always want to know his scarcity and urgency. It was my job to figure that out and frame it up for him so that he, when he got out on stage, he would say, now, listen, if you don't, if you want to wait, I get it. But if you want to come, you know, right here in your backyard in London or Singapore or wherever we were, Sydney, Melbourne, wherever we were, um, he always had scarcity and urgency. And it was real. It wasn't made up. It was just getting the brain wrapped around what it is. Which implies you have to be willing to walk away from someone who's not ready to, if they don't accept your urgency and scarcity, you're willing to quote, lose the sale. You That's just, correct. You have to be willing to do that. The attitude has to come as far as I can see. And again, this is not 
about me, but as far as I can see, you have to have the attitude to believe that says, I don't care if the customer just isn't going to bite down on all of this or accept or respond to all of the stuff that I know works. Bye-bye. Better, easier to find out right now than to keep getting strung by the nose and, and let along. One of the great sayings that I heard was a hard no is way better than a soft maybe. You know, and this is what I tell my sellers, get to either the hard no or the deal is in. But a soft maybe, you can't do a soft maybe as a customer when there's something on the line, such as the price goes up on June 1st. You can do that. Now, you got to have the balls to be able to, when they call back in June 1st to say, yeah, your new price is, let's say it's, it was 20, now it's 25. Yeah, but can't you do it at the old? I'll sign it right now if you do it at the old price. I'm sorry. Now, it doesn't mean we may not, you know, have a backdoor conversation. I said, I'll tell you what, if they do it now and they do it on this date that accommodates our schedule, I'll say yes to that. The soft maybe kind of reminds me of the background I was teaching the whole dating stuff when the woman would say, give me your number. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's, let's do some content here. So look, scarcity and urgency, you need that in your offer. I don't care what it is you sell. If I can figure it out with ground engineering services, a, a service that is needed, but is not mission critical, a house is not going to fall into a cavern in the earth. It's just going to crack and get worse. So you got, you got to have manifested or manufactured scarcity and urgency. Some of the other ones, law of liking, remembering that rapport is power. And if you're not studying the, the science and the art of building rapport, I know that Paul's stuff talks about that all the time, that at the end of the day, if you're not studying it, you can't assume that you're like the most likable person. And, you know, like, like Paul and I, we, I listened to his stuff. He didn't know me from Joe Schmo. We happened, and it was a small, I mean, what was there, 80 people there, Paul? Yeah. Um, you know, one of those ones you get to, I'm like, where's, where's all the fucking people? What's, what's going on? <laughs> like, Jesus, like you're, cause you're coming on to speak and you were launching your book at that time. Right. And uh, subtle words that sell. That's right. Very good. And, but but then it's then it's like we meet and it's like we were best friends. And that was 2013, 14. Oh, God, it was eight years ago. And we've had lunch. You've come up to Orange County. We've met San Diego. We, it's not like we talk every day, but it's the, we don't skip a beat. If it's been three months, three weeks, or three minutes, we don't skip a beat. True that. That's because of this 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 law of liking. If you're studying being interested in other people, asking questions, not being listening to hear, not listening to speak. Like, like you got to be likable in the process. I'm going to get through some more stuff. Um, law of authority. You know, for me to say, uh, you know, my name's Gene. I'm I'm with GeoBear as one, but for me to say, Gene, I'm the president of GeoBear USA. Don't you think there's a little difference in that? People automatically respect authority. When, the, yeah. when I start getting asked geotechnical questions that are way out of my ballpark, I say, I tell you what, I'm not the best person to answer that, but I have the best person. His name's John. John's been in the business for 12 years. He's been in every single discipline. Engineers go to this guy. Do you mind if I schedule a call with him? Now, isn't that different than me saying, hey, let me have you talk to my operations manager, John. Yep. Right. Suddenly they're like, holy shit, I'm talking to this guy. And he is that. There's, there's no lie or exaggeration. But if I can take the time to, to weave out the tapestry of why this person is great or use the fact that, you know, I could, the titles like area, like they have titles within the company. I said, the only title I will take is president. And, and if you look at my LinkedIn, it's like president, president, president. Why? Because I know that, that titles do not make a person, but titles have their own subtle and unconscious influence within them absolutely they do when i say to somebody i am the president of this company i make the final decisions and there's nobody that i need to go to to get the answer so help me understand what it is you're really trying to do here shit changes real quick so the law of authority is legit here's another one the law of future pacing very simple Helping people see, experience, or imagine six months to 12 months down the road and how their life or their situation will be 
Should they take action or should they not take action? The key word in that is the word imagine. And if you can just weave this into the tapestry of what it is you're saying. So, Paul, imagine six months from now and you haven't done anything. You told me earlier in the conversation that after the rainfall, and, we, and for those that aren't in Southern California, we had a giant rainfall in December and January. Remember that, Paul? The poured New Year's, Christmas. Like an unusual one in 20 year, a one in 20 year rainstorm in Southern California is not built for this. Well, it wreaked havoc on soil and dirt and most importantly, homes that were moving up and down and fucking stuff's going sideways. And people that had issues, it just exasperated their issues of cracks. (laughs) So imagine you told me that in the last six months, this has escalated. And it's very clear that this is a problem that does not solve itself, Paul. In fact, once these areas break, it accelerates at a greater pace. And God forbid we have another rainstorm, just like we did, you're going to be in trouble. So let me ask you this. You can wait and save some money now, but where do you think it's going to be in six to 12 months? Think it's going to be the same or worse? Oh, probably going to be the same. Okay. And if we get another rainstorm, then what? (coughs) So I can help them imagine pain. I can help them imagine having this behind them so they don't have to think about it again, knowing that they're preserving the value of their most valuable, important asset, which is their home, knowing that should they sell the home, that there will be zero impact because the warranty I'm going to give you is transferable to the new person. So they have peace of mind. How do you beat that? You know, so, so if they say no after that, then, Fucking on to the next one. On to the next one. Because <laughs> it's legit. I, I'm not making this up. It's just, no, no, there's it's no, great. there's it's no great. ever, I want to add something to everybody. There is zero need to exaggerate, to lie. In fact, that will only take you in negative fashions in business. But if you just spend a little time crafting how you're going to describe something, or set something up, or move something from point A to point B. And using foundational techniques, we've talked about scarcity and urgency, the law of liking, rapport is power. We've talked about law of authority. We've talked about um, future pacing. We've talked about the, the powerful word imagine. So imagine having this behind you and not seeing that crack anymore. What's it going to feel like when your friends come over and you're not worried that they're going to see that great big crack in your floor, Sally? And here's the last one I want to cover, um, social proof. Social proof is, is basically saying, who else like them, your customer, has taken it, used your services and gotten the benefit that they wanted? Now, in the this world, you know, first of all, literally anybody that I go to their house, I'm going to say, we've been in this area a lot because we have now, a lot can be two times or 2022 times, but we've been here a lot. We see, we're seeing this with your neighbors. Also, I have very specific marketing material that I leave behind after I leave an appointment. Now, most people say, ah, you don't need these brochures to sell. No, you don't need them to sell, but I can tell you them lingering around, you know, when you spend, you know, 80 cents for a printout can have dynamic differences. So I lay out, here's the step-by-step process that at the bottom that says, you deserve a good foundation. (laughs) I love it. Don't you deserve a great foundation, right? We've all heard that, but in that I have case studies. Ralph R., who lives in Pomona, California. And I always pick the case studies. After we do a project, I say, hey, Paul, do you mind if I do a little write-up on this and put your name on it? And would you give me a quote? No problem. And I just pick two or three case studies of people that in their geography that, that, yeah, we brought in GeoBear. They were super friendly. They weren't pushy. They got the job done in three days. They cleaned up. It's almost like they weren't here. I love GeoBear. They get a thumbs up. And then we write a little story. You know, Paul just moved into a house 
He noticed that cracks started showing up because the previous owner painted over all of them, but the house continued to move. In a panic, Paul called GeoBear. GeoBear came and did their you know, five-star inspection and gave him a report. Even though Paul looked at three other companies, he saw that GeoBear's price was half of what the other ones charged, and it only took them three days to get the project done, where the other ones took three months. It was an easy decision for Paul to choose GeoBear, and he's glad he did. In fact, here's a quote. I like that. So rather than just giving a straight up testimonial, you're telling a story and then taking a little quote from the person. It's such a it's 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 such a powerful distinction, a really, really great distinction. In fact, I've never quite I I understand case studies, but I've never quite done testimonials that way. You tell the story about the person, then you let them give a little quote instead of making it all from them. That's brilliant. Oh, hey, Paul. So I was, I was, uh, how did you discover that really quickly? Cause we're running out of time here. We're, we, you've filled this with such great content. We're almost drawing to the time we have a lot. So how did I discover that? Because when I buy something, I want to know who else like me did this and chose this group and what were the results they got. So if I don't get it from a, somebody referring me, me to them, to this, to this uh, vendor, then I've got to understand somebody like me, a regular person that took action on name the service and are glad they did. And, you know, I think testimonials can be bullshitized, you know, over and over again. Bob, Bob J said, yeah, these guys are great five star. No one looks. But, but when, you, when you weave a one page story that has a nice graphic on it with a headline. And it, it just tells the story of somebody like them. There's not that many scenarios. Bob's lived in the house for 20 years and gradually noticed this problem. Or Bob was getting ready to sell his house, but the inspector found this problem. Or Bob just bought the house and moved in with his family and discovered this problem. There's not that many scenarios. And what we're looking for in the, the law of of social proof is this simply saying who else like me did this and got the result. And I even go as far, Paul, of saying, by the way, if you want me to have that guy call you, he will. Why? Because nobody does that. Nobody. People say, you want to call my references? Great. I say, this guy, Pete, on this one, in the first one, if you want me to have him call you, he will do that. Now, I've set that up already with the customer. And you do that. Here's how you do that. You say, hey, you know, we did a little bit of extra work, Paul, but I, I'm not going to, I don't want to nickel and dime, but we spent an extra day and we did this, this, and this. No, 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 I'd be glad to pay you. No, no, that's cool. Well, we agreed to this rate. However, <laughs> I may ask that you talk to one of my future clients. Would you be willing to do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, anytime, man, anytime. So I've got primed people that have bought from me that if I can say, hey, can you call Paul Ross at this number? He's on the fence. Would you just share your experience with Paul? That's, a, that's an absolute coup de montre, the stroke of the master. <laughs> oh, dude. Gene, you have so much more you could offer us, but we have reached the, uh, the end of our time. Holy shit, yeah. When we have you back on, would you come back on the show? 100%. If the audience likes it, send Paul a note. Love it. He can so sequester me. Paul can <laughs> sequester me. Okay. Oh, this is fun. Like I get, I'm so passionate about this because I'm, I've learned and read and, and, and applied and real results are happening. And I can talk about this all day. And it's because of doing programs like Paul's that, and I'm not pitching. I, there's no, but I'm just telling you guys, look at my bio. Look, look at what I've done. Look at LinkedIn, get on Google. And so how did this happen? I, I'm telling you right now, because I listened to the masters again and again and again and started applying and finding what works, whether it's Paul, whether it's Cialdini, whether it's Bandler, Grinder, Tony Robbins, um, you know, that's, that's how it. You, how, thank you. You brought so much incredible value to this. I know that our audience is going to be watching this and listening to it multiple times, multiple times, because you've given so much. It's been so dense and not dense, dumb, but packed with value. So yeah, people get in touch with you. If they want, I know you have a book called The Sales Edge, 
which yeah, I, you know, if you want to, there's a free, and I'm not actively. Um, how do I say this? Because I'm on this exclusive deal, like legit. So I'm not. I don't take on coaching clients. I'm not doing any consulting. I'm 100% committed to this engineering company. If you want to get a free chapter of my book, go to thesalesedge.co. I couldn't get .com. Somebody bought that. Thesalesedge.co. And there, just put your email in. You get a free chapter. Nobody's going to be chasing you down. I'm not, I'm not in that business anymore. Um, but, but even, no, seriously, but I, I, my, the best chapter in that book, the most original is how to run the perfect first meeting. If you're selling anything, there's an eventual point where you have a real meeting with somebody. Almost everybody goes in without pure direction, at least a roadmap of which to follow. I lay it out. I give it to you and it, you apply this to your business. You will go into every single meeting with absolute supreme confidence and a roadmap to get to the end point, which is either the sale, the next meeting, the next whatever. So check it out. Thank you, Jim. We'll put that in the show notes. Bye now. Peace out. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411321. That's COMPEL to 411321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack at sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on the Influencers Edge Show.